0: Hello, my friends, and welcome again to The Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who He is, and what He's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me, friends. This is the second episode of our exploration of the book of Jeremiah. So let's just jump right into this second theme. The author of Jeremiah documented Judah's refusal to repent and to heed Jeremiah's message. The message of Jeremiah, his ministry, beginning around 30 or 40 years before the exile in 586, was the final chance for Judah to repent and avoid the, the looming catastrophe of the Babylonian exile. And tragically, the nation rejects the message of Jeremiah. The people will not turn from their sinful ways. Jeremiah O oh Lord, do your eyes not look for truth You've struck them down, but they felt no anguish. You've consumed them, but they refuse to take correction. They make their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. And since God's people will not respond in repentance, the people, in a manner of speaking, have brought the exile on themselves. Jeremiah 26.5, You would not listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I send to you urgently. You have not listened. And Jeremiah pleads with the people. He says, stand by the roads and look, ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Jeremiah, like every good preacher, he's preaching the word of God and he's preaching it through tears because he can see not only the wickedness and injustice that are falling on the poor and the helpless, but he even sees the sorrow and the misery of the exploiters and the persecutors and the oppressors. None of them have rest. No one has the rest that God intends for his people to have. And Jeremiah says, repent, come back to where the good way is, and you will find rest for your souls. But the people say, we will not walk in these ancient paths. I set watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Friends, this is not a case of a people not being warned. This is a case of people sticking their fingers in their ears and covering their eyes and saying, we will not listen to you. They blatantly refuse to heed the warnings that God gives through Jeremiah. They say, this is in vain. We'll follow our own plans and everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. And so there is, in a manner of speaking, nothing that Yahweh can do except bring the covenant curses down on Judah. Israel's rejection of her last chance is is given a particular shape in the book of Jeremiah. The first 25 chapters of the book of are the rejection of the prophetic word. The first 25 chapters are going to be mostly Jeremiah's sermons and the people refusing to listen to his word. And then in chapter 26, it's going to shift, and we're going to get stories from Jeremiah's life about people rejecting the prophet himself. And so we'll see a little bit more how this plays out. So let's look first at this rejection of the prophetic word. This section of Jeremiah shows Judah's missed opportunity to avoid divine judgment. The book opens with repeated calls for Judah to return to Yahweh by turning away from their sin, like Jeremiah 3, 12 through 14. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I'm merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. If you'll return, I'm not going to scold you. I'm not going to yell at you. You have nothing to fear about coming back to me. Only acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord your God and scattered your favors among foreigners under every green tree and that you've not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord. For I'm your master. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to me in Jerusalem. Repent, repent, repent. Return, O faithless ones, and I will heal your faithfulness. Then Jeremiah 4, 1 through 4. If you return, O Israel, declares the Lord, to me you should return. If you'll remove your detestable things from my presence and do not waver, if you swear as the Lord lives in truth and justice and in righteousness, then nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Idolatry sowing among thorns, you'll get no harvest there. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. So please return, return, return. The climax of this is what we call the temple sermon. We find it in Jeremiah chapter seven and later in the book, it's retold from a different perspective. And it takes place around 609 BC. So just to give you some context here, we're about 23 years away from the exile in 586. And we're about four or five years away from the first wave of deportations from Judah to Babylon, where, amongst others, the prophet Daniel is going to be taken. So in 609 BC, Jeremiah goes down to the temple, and he pleads with Judah to repent and avoid judgment. Just to give you a little further piece of context, what's happening here, uh, maybe some of you had the experience uh, when you were a little kid that you would play uh, tag. And maybe you played tag in a way where there was like a home base, where If you ran to like this tree or you were touching this part of the couch, then the person who was it couldn't tag you, right? Like just being in proximity to a particular object kept you safe. And that's essentially what the people of Judah were saying. They were saying, uh, we have the temple in Jerusalem. And since God lives here and he loves this temple, he'll never allow the city to be conquered. And since we live in this city, we will never be conquered. Doesn't matter what we do. Doesn't matter how we live. As long as we're touching home base here, we can't be harmed. And so God sends Jeremiah to the temple that they're trusting in to wake them up. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Don't trust in these deceptive words that you're telling yourselves. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you don't oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your harm, then I will let you dwell in this place and the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Like in other words, the temple's not going to protect you, but your repentance and obedience, that's what's going to protect you. And the nation refuses to listen. And so shockingly, God commands Jeremiah to stop praying for them. Jeremiah seven sixteen. As for you, don't pray for this people, or lift up a cry or a prayer for them, and don't intercede with me, for I will not hear you. Right? Praying for them was pointless, since judgment is now inevitable. They have refused, they have hardened their hearts, and God has withdrawn the offer of repentance, the gift that was offered of repentance. They have refused it, and God in his sovereign timing, his sovereign planning, has said, The offer is now revoked and judgment is inevitable. So Jeremiah's temple sermon is a decisive turning point in the history of the nation of Judah. And it's so important that during Jesus' ministry, he borrows this imagery from Jeremiah when he's cleansing the temple. Like in Jeremiah seven eleven, Jeremiah says, Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. And then in Matthew twenty one thirteen, Jesus says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. After the temple sermon, it's noticeable that calls for Judah to return, to repent of their sins, diminish, and then disappear altogether. Right? There's this constant drumbeat of repent, 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 repent. But when we get to chapter 11 of Jeremiah, from chapters 11 to 20, there's only three offers of repentance. And by the time we get to chapter 21 to 25, the last of Jeremiah's sermons, there are no offers of repentance because Yahweh's patience has come to an end and judgment is coming. So with the close of this first section, the rejection of the prophetic word, we now come to the second section, the rejection of the prophet in Jeremiah 26 45. If we will not listen to God's word, God will keep speaking to us. And if we harden our hearts and we will not listen to the word, Eventually, as human beings, we just get tired of hearing it, and so we want to shut up the messenger. Jesus warned us about this, and we see it played out in the life of the prophet Jeremiah. And this 20-chapter section is going to give us narrative accounts of different episodes from Jeremiah's life and ministry. Along with the book of Jonah, perhaps, no other prophetic book focuses as much on the life of the prophet as Jeremiah. The point of this biographical information is to deliver the following message. The judgment of the exile came because of the rejection of the prophetic word. Various individuals from the king on down reflect the total nature of Judah's unbelief through the rejection of Jeremiah's preaching. Jeremiah 37, 1 and 2 says, Zedekiah, this is the last king, the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah, reigned instead of Kaniah, the son of Jehoiakim. But neither he, nor his servants, nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. And that's really, sadly, the message of Jeremiah right there. The book as a whole is just a story of the people sticking their fingers in the ears the rich, the poor, the young, the old, the wise, the fool, the slave, the free, men and women. Nananana boo boo, I can't hear you. So let's look first at the intensity of opposition to Jeremiah's preaching. We see people call for death after the temple sermon in Jeremiah 26, 7-11. How dare you threaten the temple and they want it destroyed? Religious leaders who were already in exile, they were writing letters to Jerusalem, telling the priests and the, the leaders still in Jerusalem, arrest this man, throw him in prison. How dare he say that God would destroy his temple? And it may be the most shocking story of all, the king, Jehoiakim, destroys the scroll and seeks to have Jeremiah killed. Let me just kind of give you a little context here. In Deuteronomy 17, we get a a job description of the Israelite king. The ideal Israelite king will copy by hand the book of Deuteronomy and he will read it every day. And this will keep him humble and this will help him love the Lord and obey God and, and that will bring peace and blessing to the nations that he's leading. So in the book of Jeremiah, God gives a message to Jeremiah, he hires the scribe Baruch, Baruch writes it down, he reads it, Baruch goes to the temple, Jeremiah's not allowed to go back in after the temple sermon, he reads the message, people bring it to the king, and this is what happens. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and Jehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was a fire burning in the firepot before him. As Jehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the firepot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the firepot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard these words were afraid, nor did they tear their garments in repentance. We see this complete inversion, right? Instead of listening to the word and reading it attentively, the king is mockingly cutting it apart and throwing it in a fire. That is a picture of the response to the preaching of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is also imprisoned on multiple occasions. He's thrown into a pit and left to die. And at the end of his life, he's kidnapped and taken to Egypt. Right? The wickedness of the people of Judah is so in-depth that even the exile didn't change them. Right? As we've mentioned previously, the line of David, right? this like surviving like, cousin from the line of David, led a revolt against the Babylonian-appointed governor of the land and, and kills this sort of last chance for people to even have a somewhat normal life in the promised land. And the survivors listen to their own hearts and to the desires of their idols, and they refuse to listen to God's word, and they go to Egypt in direct defiance of God, and they take poor Jeremiah along with them. And once they arrive in Egypt, this surviving remnant openly declare their intention to break the covenant with Yahweh. As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, We will not listen. And again, that would be another great single verse that would summarize the events of the book of Jeremiah. Hey, I know that you told us that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed because of our sin, and and we didn't listen, and then God destroyed Jerusalem because of our sin, but we're still not going to listen to you. We're going to do what we want to do, and we don't care what Yahweh says. And so as a result, Yahweh says, my judgment will even reach down into Egypt And you who think that you can run from me, the king of all the earth, and hide in Egypt, even there my hand will reach out and find you. The book of Jeremiah serves as a stark reminder that our response to the word of God is a life or death matter. Now there are a few sort of glimmers of hope along the way in Jeremiah Because in contrast to the national unbelief that leads to national death at the hands of the Babylonians, there are a few examples of positive responses to Jeremiah's teaching. For example, Baruch, the man who is hired and faithfully serves as Jeremiah's scribe, he is promised by God in Jeremiah 45, 1 through 5, that the Lord will spare his life throughout all the misery and death that's coming. He will survive. Jeremiah, I told you earlier, gets thrown into a pit and left to die. And it's shocking that an Ethiopian who's living in Jerusalem at this time, he knows that Jeremiah is an authentic prophet of the Lord. And this Ethiopian goes and rescues Jeremiah from certain death. And so in response to his faithfulness, Jeremiah says to him, the Lord has promised me you will survive as well. You will endure and you will make it through the storm of judgment that's coming. This foreigner had greater respect for Yahweh's word and prophet than the Jews did. But these few glimmers of faithfulness only make the failure of the vast majority of Jews that much more glaring. Most of the people of Judah would only know God's wrath. Now friends, I would just say before we close our time together today, there's there's a lot of different ways to disobey God. Like probably none of us have, have gone the Jehoiakim route and have sliced pages out of the Bible and thrown them into the fire. But How often do we not even take the time to learn what God would have us do and therefore disobey because we're too lazy or indifferent to even know what he requires of us? Or another even more subtle way of disobeying, how many times do we obey God's commands, but we do it in a very public way that people can see because we want the approval of man? Neither of these would be considered obedience in God's book. Now, God is gracious and all of these, even Jehoiakim, if he had repented, even those of us who may have chopped up God's word and thrown it into a fire, even we can be forgiven, but we have to respond in repentance and faith. So may we do that every single day, repent and come back to God and walk in his ways. So friends, Lord willing, next time we come together, we're going to look at the internal life of Jeremiah as he's voicing anguish. Uh, over what's happening during his life. But for now, take up and leave. God bless.